It's such a great day to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sotolaro. Hashtag the Chris and Kelly Show. You know, I, I got to be honest with you here. I don't really understand the whole hashtag thing. I mean, in my day, it was called a pound side. Now I know how old I'm sounding, but it was a pound side. But I don't, I don't understand what we're supposed to do with the hashtags. But anyway, I digress. But uh, here is my hashtag best friend, hashtag <laughs> Cajun commentator, hashtag... I guess that's all I got. Kelly Grayson, KG, what's going on? Hashtag good to be here. Um, it, uh, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm recuperating, bro. Yesterday was yesterday was kind of rough. Yeah, I uh, yeah had a had kidney stone and so you gave went birth to, the, to a bouncing baby kidney stone. Yeah, went to uh, to a bouncing baby kidney stone at Gar of Ten. Uh, he was he was moving quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the first time I've been to an emergency department and uh, for myself in, in 15 years. But uh, it was Nancy browbeat me into doing it. So it's good that she browbeat you. I mean, we, you know, I, I read a great article in Forbes this morning, actually, that talks about, you know, uh, self-care. And it said self-care isn't an option. It's a discipline. And I think that, yeah. you know, even I think as EMS providers, healthcare providers, we find ourselves on the outside of taking care of ourselves or doing what we know is right, i.e. diet, i.e. exercise, i.e. getting to our own physicians and making sure that we're doing okay. One of the things that I find, Kelly, is that you know, in this new MIH space, as we try to engage some of these commercial you know, subscribers, they mm-hmm. have a, a list of, of uh, conditions. You know, they have a list of complaints that they're treated for, but yet when you talk to them, they don't feel they're sick. And, you know, one of the things that you try to get across to them is, you know, let's not get to crisis. Let's keep you from not getting sick. But they just can't grasp that. So, you know, I'm glad that she at least had a little bit of uh, influence on you, let's say, to let you go and yeah. tell you to get to the ER. Yeah, it was, it was you know, I, I'm in the passenger seat of the truck, uh, um, whimpering and shaking like a baby. She said, don't you think you need to go to the emergency department? Yes, I'm taking you. What's the closest one? And I said, wait, wait. It's gonna pass. <laughs> she said, "No, it's not." <laughs> she said, "Let me take you to an urgent care." No, 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 no. Uh, so finally, I, I went to. Uh, she convinced me that that uh, shaking like a leaf and whimpering and projectile vomiting was not a uh, was not a normal action, and I need to go seek help for it. So yeah. went you, to the went to the Kelly ER. Grace, you, Kelly Grayson, are a real man, and that's for sure, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was I was kind of crying like a baby, but uh, I'm better now. I'm better now. It's all good, man. I uh, I read something that you uh, you wrote on the Zoll blog. Uh, oh, really? Just recently? Yeah. Um, I, I read. I oh, read. There was no picture. There was no pictures. So actually, there were pictures. So I guess you could read it. Well, yeah, which surprised me that it was it was by your hand because it's usually you write you know in pop up book style. Right, crayon, uh, crayons. You wrote a uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, grape is my favorite. My purple's my favorite flavor of crayon. Um, you wrote a uh, an article on the Zoll blog on accountability, and, and in this, I saw that you you said uh, uh, that 
accountability in many organizations is a dirty word used by the leaders and the members of the workforce. Uh, the, the leaders bring it up as, a, as an organizational challenge, uh, but the members of the workforce seem to have this problem with accountability or failure thereof. And I thought it'd, it'd be interesting to, to talk to you about that because I have in my career accounted that sort of thing where one set of rules uh, applies to, to one member of the workforce and everybody else has their has another set of rules. Uh, and I know how corrosive that is to the morale and engagement at an, at an organization. I, I, I was kind of interested in hearing your take on accountability. Why does it become a dirty word at many EMS agencies or organizations in general for that matter? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really great question. I think the backstory here is that I, I was actually consulting with a company outside of EMS who was trying to increase their employee engagement. And, you know, I, one of the things that I do is I'll interview the leadership team and then I'll interview the workforce just to kind of see where the disconnects may be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my first, you know, probably 30 minutes of talking to the leaders, one of the things they said is the workforce has no accountability. And I think, you know, I wrote in the article, in my head, I said, well, we know who's, whose fault that is. But what was, really was really interesting, Kelly, is that when I had the opportunity to talk to the workforce, they were saying that the leaders don't hold people accountable. These were the, I'm going to guess, were the higher performers who were saying, you know what, when we make a mistake or when the people who are, who are lazy or when the people don't do what they're supposed to do, um, you know, don't do those things, the leadership kind of turns their back on that. So I was seeing it as it being a dirty word that people were using it, but mm -hmm. they were almost using it under a whisper rather than using it in, in what it needed to be. So I think I got the concept of it being a dirty word because it's something that we know that we should say. Uh, we know we uh, we know it needs to be said, but we're a little bit afraid to use it. We're a little bit afraid yeah. to say it. Or, or using it as a as a weapon in that culture war between leadership and and the workforce. I, I find it interesting that that the leadership at the at this organization would say that that the employees had no accountability. Um, when when usually I, I find that the employees uh, usually say that about uh, about the leadership. How can a organization's leadership believe that their employees have no accountability. Uh, don't you get fired if you don't <laughs> if you don't take care of your responsibilities? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. You know, one of the things that I you know I, I wrote this article for for EMS, and even though my even though this lesson came from a manufacturing um, client of mine, this was really an EMS article. And, and I want you to think about it. Your question is really good, but I want you to think about it in this point. How many times are we held to a contractual obligation to have X amount of ambulances on the street, to be at uh, life-threatening calls within 8 minutes and 59 seconds, potential life-threatening calls in 11 minutes and 59 seconds, or 10 minutes and 59 seconds, whatever it is, but yet we look the other way when employees make these minor infractions, major infractions, because if we terminate them because of our progressive disciplinary process, now we're five paramedics short instead of four paramedics short. Mm -hmm. So to go to your question, when you say, how can the leadership turn their back on accountability? You know, if they're more worried about the bottom line, if they're more worried about their contractual obligations, 
they're not holding the workforce accountable because if we have to terminate an employee, it just puts us deeper and deeper into the hole uh-huh. of not being able to meet our contractual obligations. So they're they're more than easy now, or, or you know, they're, it's more easy for them to kind of turn a blind eye to it and not hold them accountable. But think about what you're doing here. The high performers who are really striving to be you know, to be mm-hmm. excellent and, and really want it to be a great organization. They're working their butts off only to find out that if I can get by with doing the minimum, if I can get by, you know, with making these mistakes or not following the rules, they're not going to fire me. I can do almost anything. Yeah, that that is an issue in, in a number of organizations I'm familiar with. And, you know, I I, I know of EMS agencies where, where uh, they have such a problem putting meat in the seat that that almost anything goes just so they can keep employees and that's not the kind of organization that i would recommend that anyone work and and i recommend my students not go to to work there uh because uh, of that problem and but unfortunately kelly i think they're going to wind up working in those organizations because i think this is more of the rule in ems rather than the exception yeah, you're right. You're right. The, the really sad thing about it is, is the the organization can't understand why it can't keep people. Oh, we, we can't get people to come work here. Uh, well, that's because no one wants to work there because of the, the culture that exists and the lack of accountability uh, in everybody. The, the leaders aren't held accountable and for certainly, at least clinically uh, and in, per, you know, personal uh conduct standards uh, a lot of the the crews aren't held accountable uh for their actions as well um but flip side i work for an organization where where um i don't i don't think that's true uh but you do find that some uh the, the biggest gripe that the employees have at an agency is that they feel that the leaders aren't accountable it's, uh, hey they expect things of us that they would never do themselves. And I know from, from a employee standpoint, that is really, truly corrosive to morale. I, I wrote an article for EMS one sometime back called, uh, responsibility, practicing responsibility upward. Uh, meaning that, that uh, as a leader, rather than adopt the whole rank hath its privileges, uh, attitude, uh, that that a good leader adopts a, a rank has its responsibilities attitude, and and that the attitudes uh, the responsibilities almost always outweigh the the, the privileges that the leader has. Um, how do you as an empl- as a leader engage your employees and show you too are accountable for your actions? Well, one of the things that I think is really important is you have to be able to have an organization that really kind of has that culture of accountability and that you're able now to have a good 360-degree evaluation process. One of the things that I used to do with my supervisors, and and I strongly recommend it, is that um, you know they had a certain amount of employees. I think we had 120 or 130 employees in mm-hmm. the organization. And five or six supervisors had their own list of uh, employees. Well, it was the supervisor's job to, of course, do their evaluations. But when it came time to do the supervisor's evaluations, I went to the workforce and said, grade your supervisor. Tell me what they did good. Tell me what they did bad. So really, when it comes to the point of saying, and I'm a firm believer in servant leadership, 
and I believe that employees don't work for us, but we work for them. And mm-hmm. you know, no, no, no position in an organization is better than any position. We're all employees of that organization. We just have different responsibilities. So when it comes to a 360 degree evaluation, that when I sit down with Kelly Grayson as the leader of that organization and say, "Tell me about your supervisor Nancy McGee and how is she? How is she performing for you? How is she doing her duties for you?" Th- there's accountability there. You know, because then when I go back and sit down with, you know, the, that, you know, with Nancy to say, let, let me give you your evaluation. Do you know your employees don't think you're approachable? Do you know your employees think that you slack in your duties? Do you know that your employees think that you're not very motivating and inspiring mm-hmm. and you, you're, you do more finger pointing than you do coaching? That's pretty powerful, Kelly, because you just can't walk up to a supervisor without having that culture in place to say, I thought we weren't supposed to smoke in the vehicles. He's just going to go ahead and retaliate against you for bringing that up, thinking that you're going to now get him in trouble for those things. So I think this is a, I think that we open a Pandora's box to find a can of worms when we don't develop this (laughs) culture in, in, you know, in our organizations. And we've got to be, we've got to be understanding to know that, man, the nature of the beast is someone's going to call me out. I mean, Don Mundy, who was the chief of EMS in Charleston County, South Carolina, I uh, used to say something that I thought was very interesting when we were working on the EMS Leadership Podcast. He'd say that you are on stage every minute of every day. When you walk out mm-hmm. of your house, it's act one, scene one, and action, and you've got to perform to that highest ability. And, and I believe that. I think that's true because employers are always watching other employees. They're they're in the shadows, and employees are certainly watching those leaders. And as soon as we step over the line of inconsistency, it's being talked about. Yeah, you know, and, and well, I'll, I'll use use uh, uh, organizations I'm familiar with as a as an example. It's one of the biggest gripes in the culture clash between the communications and dispatch center and the field crews is the field crews believe they're the only ones who are accountable for their actions and mistakes. You know, hey, if we're late getting en route to a call. Uh, or if we're late getting 10-8, or if we're on scene too long, we hear about it. And and uh, the accountability only flows one way. Um, we get written up in a shift report if, we, uh, if our times don't meet certain standards. Yet, if we're sent to the wrong address or if we're uh uh if we're not given information in a timely fashion or if the the dispatcher is snotty to us nothing happens to them because they're not accountable for well, how, their do mistakes. Know, how do you build how do you know nothing happens to them well and that's and that's the thing uh the the part of it well and this is this and i put this as as lack of accountability of the leadership because uh those sorts of clashes are not addressed and no one addresses the insinuation or the belief that dispatch is not accountable. Uh, now, if there were better communication to say, you know, I know that you can only go so far with talking about personnel matters with another person. But um, if there were follow up from the leadership saying, we've heard your concerns and yes, we're doing something about that. Or, or look, here's, here's how we're going to interpret or modify this policy to address your concerns. Um, that shows the, the crews that there, you know, there is some accountability and that leadership has heard what they're talking about and, and is addressing those things with, with the, uh, the dispatch center. 
for yep. example, just that little bit of transparency right. uh, on on behalf of the leadership team uh, goes a long way toward toward uh, enhancing the the engagement uh, and the teamwork between the, the you know disparate parts of the workforce. Sure. Here, here's now, a here's a thing that I think is bad as well mm-hmm. is that accountability as a dirty word is used more punitively than used for coaching purposes. Yes. There's, you know, there's there's vision. We got a vision in the organization, Kelly. We got goals to reach the vision, Kelly. We got plans to reach the goals. Then we have to be able to set up accountability and processes to meet those plans. So when you fail to meet the expectations of the plans or meet the expectations of the things that we have to do, now it comes time to hold the workforce accountable. Now it comes time to hold our leadership team accountable. But that doesn't have to be punitive. That's mm-hmm. my opportunity as a leader. That's your opportunity as a supervi- That's your opportunity as the supervisor, as a leader, now to coach your workforce into helping them become accountable. This doesn't have to be a punitive thing. This doesn't have to be a counseling thing. This doesn't have to be a, a, a final written warning thing. I think that we need to change our processes that when we hold people accountable, it's because they're not performing to the expectations that we have set forth to say, the, this is the playbook. You, you can't come and, and you know, be mm-hmm. late six times. You know, you can't be at the hospital 30 minutes after you've gone, uh, you know, after you've dropped off your patient. You can't. But this is the opportunity now that we need to sit down, that we need to develop a relationship with our workforce, mm-hmm. that we need to talk to them like they're people and they're not our property. And we need to now, you know, give them our, our expertise and give them our experience and help them build the skills so they now can become better in their jobs rather than scaring them with a word that says the next time you do this, that's the last time you work in this organization. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I, I want to tell you, get out of my head because that was the question I was about to ask. When you, when you talk about accountability, uh, what's the better approach? Can you enforce accountability in your workforce or is it better to inspire it? And, and, how, and, and I know what your answer is going to be. Um, but but what are some strategies you can employ to do that very thing? And I think that the you know we, we have rules you know we we've got to be on scene you know in eight minutes and fifty nine seconds and a priority mm-hmm. one a life threatening call and, and if we're constantly late or if we're constantly have routing issues or if we're con- they're not doing it on purpose you know mm-hmm. if it's something that's happening that they're not getting to the the calls on time or they're not routing the right way back in the old days Kelly we used to have to use map books. And I could tell you, there were times when I was supposed to go north and I'm going south, and I don't realize it till the streets aren't lining up the right way. Um, yeah. Now I, I was talked to, and sometimes I was talked to very abrasively, instead <laughs> of someone taking me aside to say, you know what, stop driving the map and, and, you know, go ahead and just follow your, you know, put a compass in or something like that. And it took yeah. me a lot of time to do that. But I think that, you know, when we miss, when we miss an expectation... This is the time that we have to be able to, to grow. Not everybody. You know, this goes back to the, the whole paramedicine thing is that we come out of, you know, paramedic school and, and everybody thinks that they need to have all the answers to being a great paramedic. Well, that's not the case. Where's the teaching? You know, where's the, where's the learning? Where's the, you know, where's the, um, you know, the opportunities to polish the people who come out and grow them to the next level? You know, it, you know we come out of uh, paramedic school, we have a certain set of skills 
That doesn't mean no. we're a master practitioner. And where is the learning and, and where is the mentorship and where is the inspiration to say, let me help you get to point A to point B. If we know, and I used to say this all the time, that if we know that the number one call for a paramedic uh, has trepidation for is a pediatric call, we're culpable as leaders if we're not doing anything mm-hmm. to help them grow. Well, let's take that a next step. If we know that they're having challenges getting their work done and meeting expectations, what's our responsibility as leaders to teach them and help them grow to the next level and polish their skills? If we know that ego may be an issue and they're not going to come to us and ask us for that help, aren't we culpable if we're not walking up to them and coaching them and helping them become the very best that they can be? Yeah, yes, you are. You you are culpable if you if you're not helping develop your people. And and for me, that is always uh, we've debated these terms in the past. But I I, I think the di- difference between a leader and a manager is that very thing. Um, a, a leader uh, is in, in, interested in making his employees uh, or his subordinates rather be the best they can be in, in developing their skills and, and their talents. Uh, and a manager bludgeons you into submission with right. the protocol book and the policy and procedure manual. And, well, here's, and, the thing, here's the thing I want to add to that. You, man- yeah. you manage processes. You don't manage yeah. people. You lead people. You're right. So for, You're the, right. for yeah. the people who are saying using management, you know, interchangeably with leadership, that's the first mistake. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the manager, uh, a leader is perceptive enough to realize uh, and to sense the, the, the attitudes of his subordinates and, and yeah. to address those attitudes. A manager usually is blind to that sort of thing. And it's, and it's all, if something doesn't get done to their satisfaction, it's somebody else's fault. They're the, uh, and, and they're a one trick pony in that regard. But what they ask- don't realize is everyone at that organization knows which one of you in white shirts are leaders and which one of you are managers. Right. Well, and they ask- will bend over backwards for the leaders. Exactly. But to work, the work their butt off only, for you. Exactly. They're only going to do, the the bare minimum for the managers because they know that the manager is not accountable for his failings. Let me ask you a question. So one of the things okay. that I like to ask in interviews, so in the organizations that I work in, I always start off with a good, solid vision. You know, I, we've talked about vision before. We're wired to think in pictures and we don't, you know, we don't think in words. We think in pictures. So if people can't see the vision of where we're going, how do they know, you know, when they get there? But one of the things that I'll always talk about is vision, and I'll talk about goals, and I'll talk about success, mm-hmm. and I'll ask the I'll ask the um, you know the people that I hire, which is usually for my leadership team, because I have the supervisors hire their own workforce. I don't think the chief should be hiring nice. the workforce, yeah, because they're the ones that I'm going to hold accountable to that workforce. So I like when, that approach. So when Kelly Grayson steps out of line, I'm not going to Kelly Grayson. I'm going to your supervisor and saying, what the heck is he doing? Let's go ahead and make sure we get this fixed. But anyway, so I'll always ask the question, give me your definition of success. If we know that we're going to be successful here, what's your definition of success? But here's my next question. And if I'm interviewing you, this is, this is the question I'm going to ask you, Kelly. How do you like to be held accountable? We've got to be able to ensure that we meet the expectations that we're going to be successful. And to meet expectations, we all have to be held accountable. So, Kelly Grayson, how do you like to be held accountable? Um, well, my, my personal self-image is I, I think I'm a, a talented and, and skilled paramedic. Uh, and I would ask that my, my leadership team expect that of me, not average uh, just do the minimum, 
keep your boots shined and don't get any complaints kind of paramedic, uh, but to be a stellar paramedic. I want to be challenged. Um, and I want that to be the baseline that I'm held to. Uh, but in that, it also, uh, there's that implicit degree of trust that if you're going to expect excellence out of someone, you have to give them the freedom to, to, to actually practice that excellence. So that's what I would ask in my organization. I will give you the very best I can if you give the give me the freedom to do exactly that. Uh, if you tie my hands, uh, I, I'm going to be a drone. Uh, and I don't want to be a drone at this organization. Um, and, and that's what I would tell. That's what I would tell my leaders in, in that that uh, in that hypothetical job interview. Uh, uh, I want to come work here because I think this is a great organization, and and I like what you stand for, and and I want to be an integral part of that. Uh, but I want you to to give me the tools I need to be the best paramedic I absolutely can be. Yeah, I agree. And it's one of the things, though, that we need to ask is if we need to hold people accountable, and we know that we do, how does that person like to be held accountable? Because I'm telling you, from the very beginning, we have expectations, and you need to meet those expectations. If you don't, how do you want me to talk about it with you? Not how I'm going to talk about it with you, but how am I going to talk about it? How would you like me to talk about it with you? And I think from the very beginning, we're setting up a culture that, oh my gosh, I need to do what I'm supposed to do. And I think that that's where accountability comes in. But, you know, I believe in accountability. I think that mm -hmm. leaders have to be accountable. I think that supervisors have to be accountable to the workforce. I think that, you know, uh, it, it, and again, it's, it's a whole process, man. We've got a playbook. They're called policies yep. and procedures. We, and we have to be able to, to call those plays sometimes, and we've got to be able to make sure that we execute those plays. No different than being, you know, playing football. You know, when we, mm -hmm. you know, when we run this play, everybody's got an assignment. You know, well, we, we get in in the morning, we need to make sure that our trucks are this. We need to make sure we have this equipment. We need to make sure that we get out of the geofence, you know, in time that we're on scene, you know, that we're in, um, that we're on duty at the X amount of time mm -hmm. so we could be counted as part of that posting plan. So yeah. I, I just think that it's not, it doesn't have to be a dirty word. It's just got to no. be a culture change to say, man, this is just the way it is, man. We got rules and I'm going to hold you accountable to the rules. And that's the way yeah, to, to borrow Nancy's phrase that she's really fond of from Jack Welch, uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast. Um, and, and if you don't, if you don't convince the organizational culture uh, to to adopt your vision, it's, your vision is going to fail every time. And the way you do that is with accountability, both ways: uh, accountability downward, accountability upward. Uh, but hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What do the leaders at your agency do to demonstrate accountability on their part? Uh, are they fair in their demands for accountability from you? We'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter at the show at ems1.com. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Severolero, trying to be accountable to you, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.